Hey, welcome to Cube Fight Episode 6. This one was special because it was a live episode. Uh, I'm Neil Ronahan, and with me as always is Andy Gergen. What's up, Neil? Uh, so we recorded this episode back in mid-October as we did our... Oh, crap. Was it the 7th annual? The 7th annual Telethon for Charity? I do believe it was the 7th yeah. annual, yes. Yeah, we've been doing this for seven years, where uh, along with the other podcasts on the site and the site as a whole... Uh, you know, Nintendo World Report, Radio Free Nintendo, all that jazz. Uh, we did another big old 12-hour podcast telethon for the Child's Play charity. And during that show, Andy and I were joined by Dan Bloodworth, formerly of Planet GameCube and Nintendo World Report, the person who named Nintendo World Report, uh, who then later later went on to work at Game Trailers for a very long time. And then when Game Trailers sadly was shuttered, uh, he's he's now an easy ally, maybe the easiest of allies. <laughs> this was actually the first telethon I'd been on since 2011 uh, when I joined a Skyward Sword segment. It, it's always been just poor, poorly timed. It's always There's always something going on on Saturdays in the fall, and it always seems like a bad idea to convince my wife that I can't participate in whatever said activity is planned because I have to podcast. So uh, <laughs> I got on the family calendar ahead, ahead of time this year. Yeah, I think I had like one year. It was like my sister's wedding, so I, yeah. I did not. I was not a part of it. Um, I had other things to do. I had another state to be in. But I was happy. Like I was happy to return and uh, talk to Dan and uh, and you about uh, the the two games on this episode, which are Animal Crossing and Star Fox Adventures: Dinosaur well, as, Planet. As as you might find out, maybe we enjoyed talking about one of the games more than the other. But hard to uh, say. We'll we'll leave past us to determine that. So enjoy the episode, uh, the one after that. Uh, we're actually about to record, as we're recording this one the, the same day that we're going to record episode 7, which has now become a, a beefy, weird episode uh, for reasons that you'll find out when you listen to that uh, very soon. So thank you for supporting us if you did dur- if you did support us during the telephone or if you support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash NWR, where you can listen to this show early and all that fun stuff support us so that way we can keep on um you know not having to dip into our own personal money to fund this nice beautiful nintendo website that has been running for what 17 years almost 18 damn almost 18 years this this site can vote (laughs) yep uh not soon enough though yeah not kidding (laughs) but all right thanks thanks for supporting us and uh enjoy the show got a message uh well you know i'll just share this uh seren just messaged me on skype saying did star fox adventures have multi-memory card town visiting just my two cents uh which i think i guess animal crossing won um (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, so Andy, you are here, correct? I'm here. Welcome I, to me being here. I think we're still waiting for a Dan Bloodworth to join us as well, but we can kind of give, I guess, the runaround on what Cube Fight is. Andy and I have been doing this podcast mini-series, we've called it, uh, where we go through the first-party published Nintendo GameCube games and make them fight unnecessarily. So... It's in chronological order. So, like, our first one was Luigi's Mansion versus Wave Race. Um, and then from there, we've gone through all of 2001. And now we're nearing the end of 2002 with today's matchup, Animal Crossing versus Star Fox Adventures. What's our what's our release dates for these? Nearing the end of 2002. Are these are these fall 20? September. 2002? September. Uh, so, okay. Star Fox Adventures came out in North America on September 23rd, 2002. And Animal Crossing came out the week before in North America okay. on September 15th. And okay. here's a weird... I I probably like knew this and forgot, but in uh, in Europe, Animal Crossing didn't come out until 2004. Really? That's insane. Especially considering it was an N64 game before it was a GameCube game. It was out in probably, what, like 1997, 98? It was, it was early 2001, actually, when it came out as Animal Forest. Oh, um, okay. Because it, it was in development for a long time, though. Because uh, Animal Crossing was, yeah, it was Animal Forest supposed to be on the 64 DD, but then was reduced to a regular N64 game, and then came out on the N64 in April of 2001. Uh, came out in Japan in December 2001. Gotcha, gotcha. I got Animal Crossing for Christmas 2002. I actually have very fond memories. It's one of my last like. So uh, I wasn't a kid. I was in college when this came out, but it's one of the last times I remember getting a video game for Christmas and then playing it all Christmas morning. So we're having some uh, Bloodworth is having some connection issues. So I think he's has to reboot Skype because Skype is hell. Uh, Skype that, is that hell. It's a special kind of hell, really. <laughs> but yeah, for me, for for me, Animal Crossing, I think I got it close to launch. Uh, I got really into it mostly because I wanted to play all the NES games. Right. Like that was kind of that was my that motivation. Was a big draw, right? That was a huge draw. Yeah. Like that was I the remember, first virtual console. Yeah. I think uh, what was it? I think you could unlock Zelda maybe only with like a Game Shark or something. That was but one of the I, first times that Nintendo obviously like was endorsing and, and providing emulation of their classic games. I mean, I think they had done a little bit of that on uh, GBA before that. But this is one of the earlier instances of them providing a wide access to their early library through emulation. Yeah. And I, and I seem to recall an interview sometime in the past where uh, Nintendo, someone at Nintendo made a comment that the success of, or the, the positive reception of Animal Crossing's NES games kind of led to the NES Classic series and the Game Boy Advance, which then led to Virtual Console. Well, there you go. That's how you do it. So the NES Classics came after Animal Crossing? Uh, yes. Okay, so this, this is really like, maybe, did this come before or after those Zelda uh, collections on GameCube? I'm not sure. Because is, is this the first time Nintendo emulated NES games and, and got them in our hands? I'm I think trying it, to th- it might have been. It might have been. That's 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 an, uh, uh, a legacy rating right there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I hear? Yay! Worth. Hey, welcome to the call. Hey, man, how are you? Doing good. Skype just decided it needed a forced update, so you know that that sounds like Skype. Yep. <laughs> uh, we were we were talking a little bit of Animal Crossing, but I'm going to briefly pause to mention our contest that's going on right now. 
uh, our lovely prized man, Carmine Red, reminded me. Uh, the the keyword for this hour is cubivore. So email that into contest at nintendoworldreport.com for a chance to win a regular prize at this hour and a big prize for this first quarter of the show. Yeah. Get it done. So we were just talking about Animal Crossing and uh, and basically its origins as, you know, a 64DD game, then coming out on the N64 in reduced form, then the GameCube, and then our early experiences with it. So, so Dan, you reviewed Animal Crossing for Planet GameCube back in 2002. What were your, like, experiences with Animal Crossing before it came out and then reviewing it? Um, I definitely was very much intrigued by it from all the stuff that uh, IGN had done importing it and was you know checking it out and yeah it was just fascinating it was it was unlike anything else so I was I was very curious to get into it uh, unfortunately I think like one of the things that, that's completely lost in translation is the whole uh, the speech thing you know because Japanese is so much uh, easier to just emulate with the, the sound effects that it actually you know the Japanese versions it sounds like it they're actually talking to you. Whereas in the, the, the American version, it's just gibberish. It's yeah, not gibberish exactly. They're saying that they're they're spelling the letters out very very quickly. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. All the letters in a <laughs> row, very fast. <laughs> yeah, they're just spelling the words and they're doing it very quickly. It's actually kind of amazing to li- once once that clicks in your head. If you listen to them talk, it, it's kind of entrancing. Yeah, and I think even, I even mentioned my review. Every once in a while, you get something that actually sounds like a word or like a bunch of O's strung together or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the thing that really jumped out of me about this game when I first saw it was the the clock. It's the first game I can think of that really like implemented a real-world clock where you had to play the game at certain times if you wanted certain things to happen. And I know, of course, you could game the system to some extent, but that sort of defeated what made it really interesting, like having to go in and say, okay, well... If I want to get the turnip lady, I have to play Sunday mornings. And if I want to see KK Slider, I have to stop hanging out with my friends at 10 p.m. on Saturday <laughs> and go play this weird GameCube game. But the cool thing about, like, at least, and I think this is what really appealed to me about the game was it hit at the exact right spot in my life. I was like an RA on my dorm that year, and uh, people were always hanging out in my room playing video games anyway. And I think I had two full memory cards like eight people who are like inhabiting my little animal crossing world across two different villages. And people would just like queue up in my dorm room and like wait for their turn. They had like a little half an hour clock where everyone got a little bit of time to, uh, to play. I I think I even sold a GameCube because of this game on my floor. It was very, it was very popular. It was a lot of fun to have that much involvement amongst the people that I was effectively living with. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. We, uh, we used to go, uh, Adam Contras, who was, uh, Around in 2002, he helped make the uh, E3 DVD. Uh, we would go up to his place and uh, do the the train stations, you know, and, and go <laughs> back and forth between villages and see all the crazy stuff he was making. He was probably one of the most advanced guys uh, that I knew doing patterns because he had figured out how to basically put photographs all over his town. And so he had photos of himself. Uh, I think he even had photos of like a bare pair of boobs it's like it was just, <laughs> just randomness all over animal crossing you know and if you look about animal crossing you think about sort of how it's evolved over the years it's an interesting story because i think more than anything else that they've done except for maybe mario kart uh animal crossing is extremely iterative the the latest version on 3ds is really not 
that different than the GameCube game. I would say it, that probably the New Leaf is the most different that an Animal Crossing yeah, game has been. Yeah, New Leaf is the most different, but fundamentally they're still pretty similar. There's a lot of there's a lot of inheritance from the original N64 slash GameCube game. Uh, so this is the only Animal Crossing that they ever released that doesn't have the sort of round world. So it just is like an overview isometric. Um, one thing that I one thing that I noticed that was a little different that didn't that did not inherit down to future versions as I played it recently for this podcast was uh, the animals are much more willing to give you work to do in this game. Like they're almost always willing to give you something to do so you can accumulate, you know, furniture and or carpet that that went away, I think, in later versions. I don't really I didn't play a lot of the DS or the Wii versions, but I know in, in New Leaf, they almost never give you a task. Uh, it's really just idle chit chat, which I think makes me want to go talk to them less. Yeah, um, no, I, I found that when New Leaf and going back and playing a little, I didn't play too much of the GameCube Animal Crossing, just kind of enough to remember like, oh yeah, which sure. it's kind of dated, but still very charming. Uh, the and inventory I did notice system that, is very dated. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, they haven't really changed that that much. Well, they you couldn't stack fruit even. Oh yeah. That's bad. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one thing that went away was uh, I remember there was a journal, right? Like in your room, you would just be able to write down what oh, happened. Oh, sure, yeah. Day. And I don't think that has made it forward at all. Mm-hmm. Although you noted in your cons, in your review, saying that the typing interface is slow and cumbersome. Keyboard support of any kind would have been greatly welcomed. Yeah, it's amazing how much <laughs> I typed. I, I remember sending letters <laughs> back and forth constantly to animals, you know, and it, and it was... It, that's another thing that seemed to be way more encouraged in a way. I, I feel like later on, I, I wasn't doing that as much, even though I had a much better typing interface. Mm-hmm. And I think that might have been because I think that the like the idea of typing full out letters to animals like that's that's a lot of work. And I and I feel like over time they've kind of streamlined Animal Crossing games in general, so they've kind of gotten away from that a little bit. Sure. But I mean, I, I feel like the game was instantly charming, like, and the music is a big part of that. When you when you fire that game up and you hear that music that changes on the hour, and it, it, I mean, a lot of that music has carried forward, I think, to the the later versions of the game. But and I I played maybe an hour of Animal Crossing for GameCube to prepare for this podcast, just to remind myself of sort of how it differs, and uh, I was just really amazed at how instantly I was transported back to to animal crossing like it doesn't matter what version it is you play animal crossing and there's a there's a feeling of like hominess and, and it just it really clicks for me personally I, i'm not going to play a lot of this i, I feel like if i'm, if I'm going to play animal crossing i'm probably going to maybe like restart my new life my new leaf town which i'm actually kind of tempted to do um and start over and, and and rebuild that thing but i just i really really like this game i think that i think that this game has a lot to offer and i know it's kind of pointless I know that they haven't changed it much over the years, but uh, there's just something really, I think, really special about Animal Crossing. It's so charming. It's incredibly charming. It's one of the most charming things they've made. And for a company that specializes in making things that are charming, that says something. <laughs> did, yeah. Did, all right, go on. Go ahead. Uh, I, no, I was just saying, it's like, I think it's, a, it's just the whole social nature of it all around. It's It was pretty different at the time, you know, especially as somebody who wasn't, you know, playing PC games in that era, you know, I, I, I hadn't played anything quite like it. And the, and the fact that they had all of these ways to get more or less get around not having an Internet connection, you know, it's like right. you had the memory card thing to go visit another person's town. You had the basically uh, what I refer to as the tracking numbers uh, to be able to ship people items just like 
give somebody the code in a chat room and, and there you go. I sent you the item. It feels like uh, a very 1992 implementation of an MMO in 2002. <laughs> I mean, that's that's like N- Nintendo in a nutshell. It's like, yeah. hey, everybody's been doing this for 10 years, but they're first doing it. But like, there's a really like cute animal with it, so it's fine. One of the things that I, I don't think you can – can you have multiple players inhabiting different characters in the same town in New Leaf? Or is that completely gone by the wayside at this point? Because I loved having I that no plaza idea. – I love having that plaza in in the GameCube version, where up to four people could just share, like a little a, a little a little mini village within your town. Uh, right. I, I don't know how many of the future games had that, but that was one of the things that I really really liked. And of course, once again, right play, right game, right time in my life. I don't know that I would have the 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 players to 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 share that with now. Uh, maybe when my daughter's a little bit older, but. I, re- I really liked having that back in the day. I felt like that made that made for a nice community. I liked have I like having the shared space, ha- having seeing what what your friends are mailing to you while they're playing or what they're writing on the uh, the the board in the center of the uh, of the town. Um, yeah, that's just a lot of fun. What what nicknames they're giving to the to the townspeople and making them call each other. Uh, that's just so much fun. And I I'm not sure how much of that has really carried forward. Animal Crossing became much more of a solo experience as the game iterated onto other platforms and quite frankly i was actually surprised at how much time i put into new leaf because i kind of figured that that was that was a type of game that maybe i would never really get into again because i didn't have those those, those players like living with me anymore uh, but i did i did pay, i did put a lot of time into new leaf i really liked it and i still think that much of what makes new leaf successful originated and still exists in the original gamecube release yeah i think a lot of the uh yeah, some of the the kind of uh, more emergent things that you weren't expecting, like you know, fashion, moving around uh, town and that kind of thing, I, they they definitely exist uh, and and they can happen when you play with other people online. Uh, but it it seemed to be more unexpected when you had somebody living in that town because mm-hmm. they were just playing the game, you know, when you weren't playing the game, and so all the stuff would happen, and then you would come in and you would see the results of what they did. Uh, whereas when somebody comes and visits your town, obviously you're, you're there right along with them. You kind of see, you know, when they're swapping something out in your store. Uh, so all of that, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of watching them in a way as they do it. You well, know, and, you're and, and on, to, on top of that, on top of that, the people that are making changes in your town on the GameCube version are people that you probably know very well because they're yeah. literally in your physical space. That doesn't mean you don't know people on the internet very well when they're coming into your town in New Leaf, but odds are the person who's who's littering your town or leaving lewd messages for you to find later is someone you literally will, will see and talk to later on that day anyway, um, which I think makes them a little more impactful, I guess. I'm very yeah. envious of your college experiences with, with the game, Andy, because I think for me, like Animal Crossing on GameCube didn't hit as big for me because I didn't, like, I guess when it came out, I, I would have been at high school freshman year of high school and i had friends who were in the games but we weren't it wasn't like the we lived close enough that we could do this and like you know actually update it in real time and share a memory card and stuff like that so it was a lot more like the only thing i ever really did with this was kind of visit other people's towns sure. rarely as opposed to having that experience of having multiple people on the same game we even had the fish sale prices printed out on a poster in my room. <laughs> like that, that sound, like I wish I want to recreate that. Like, yeah, that it was so amazing. good. Yeah. One of the, 
yeah, Animal Crossing is one of the few series where I'm pretty much always buying the player's guide. You know, I, I almost never buy player's guides anymore. But, you know, when New Animal Crossing out, I want I want that. I want that giant checklist of, OK, if I, if I want to get something, if I want to get it the especially the KK songs, you know, make yeah. that request. You know, all right, let's go through and try to try to get as many of these songs as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, talking about people being in your personal space, it was really funny uh, reading over my review because my wife gets two shout outs and we weren't even dating at the time. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, and we played that game probably for, I don't know, two or three years. I actually was dating a girl when I played this uh, in 2002 that I did not continue dating for very long, but she had a she had a house in my town. She probably played <laughs> maybe four times total, but <laughs> after we broke up, which was mostly me breaking up with her, I opened the game up like the next day and found like I had a present in the mail from her and a nice letter. And I felt like, quite frankly, a, a pretty big piece of shit for that. <laughs> I deleted her character, by the way. So the the people behind Animal Crossing, just to kind of hit that, uh, one of them is kind of running Nintendo's internal studios at this point, Katsuya Gucci, who... I mean, Blood, have you have you ever interviewed him over the years? I can't recall that I have. You know, it's funny. I, I got more of those N- Nintendo interviews when I was at NWR than I have afterwards. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't I don't know that I have. If, if I if I did, it would probably be on NWR. And actually, I, I did fewer interviews than anyways. More, more of the ones that I did where I was kind of sitting in with with Johnny or somebody I wasn't that confident in my interview abilities at the time. Yeah. But uh, Aguchi, he's currently the deputy general manager of Nintendo EPD. He started off the company working on Super Mario Brothers 3 and Super Mario World as a designer. His first directorial, or his directorial debut was on Star Fox on the Super Nintendo. He also made Star Fox 2, which never came out. He directed Wave Race 64, worked on Yoshi Story, and then basically spent like the next 10 years of his life on Animal Crossing. Wow. Uh, most recently, uh, he was the hardware lead on the Wii U. Uh, he was behind like producing Nintendo Land and stuff like that. And the guy who, I guess, kind of co-directed Animal Crossing with him is Hisashi Nogami, who kind of took over as the main producer. Well, he was the director of every Animal Crossing game until New Leaf. And he's been a producer on the series the whole time. And he also was the producer on Splatoon. So that's kind of I think that there's there's kind of a weird Animal Crossing like uh, I guess there's an overlap with the the brains behind Splatoon also have ties to Animal Crossing. Kind of see that I guess. I mean maybe a little bit anthropomorphic animals. I mean <laughs> maybe that's the maybe maybe that's a really obvious on the nose through line. I don't know. <laughs> well Splatoon definitely has that focus on on fashion as well. For all sure. And it's sort of a it's sort of a non-traditional uh, non-level based or, or goal based game. It's it's it has it's, it's got in common with Animal Crossing that you're playing it in probably shorter bursts of time and kind of doing the same things over and over again. If that really I'm not sure if that's really a thing or not, but it's not a game where you're going through it and finishing it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Right. It's definitely a very I mean, both both games hold a special place in my heart at this point. 
I'm really wanting to go pick up my 3DS and start over on, on New Leaf. Or no, uh, I'm sure I'll play it for like 25 minutes and be like, well, that was fun. Dude, if but, you do uh, it, I'll do it. Like, yeah, I mean, because there's that update coming out. Um, that's true. Vaguely soon. I think sometime this year. It's like I don't have a particularly compelling reason to delete my old town other than I kind of want to start over. Because the, the fun of that game is building your thing. And once you've kind of built everything you want to build, then the fun begins to wear off. So I guess before we move on to Star Fox Adventures, uh, Animal Crossing will likely have a new entry, I would assume, on the NX, maybe sometime soon. What would you yeah. guys kind of hope to be in that new version of the game? I guess, Dan, let's start with you. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's tough, like, coming this far away since, you know, it's been a while since I played New Leaf. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I would, as we're talking about you know, not having people in that central town and, and this, who knows what this hybrid idea of the NX is, right? Uh, but it would be interesting if, if they could sort of merge uh, some, of, some of those concepts together towards like, yeah, you, you have this central town uh, where your, your family or close friends are at. And then, you know, when you, you take it with you, you know, but you can still take it with you on the go and play it wherever you want because I, I i do think that animal crossing has uh only benefited uh from going portable and uh i i never really got into the wii animal crossing for a number of reasons uh there were some weird things in there that i didn't like uh but uh yeah being being portable i think really gave it that new life and, and being able to just you know wherever you're at pop in at the right time uh, that you need to do something for one uh, and, and keep up with what's going on in your world. Uh, but yeah, like seriously substantive changes. It's, it's very hard for me to like think up something right off the top of my head. There's one thing that Nintendo hinted at when they first announced the Wii uh, and they unveiled Wii Connect 24. And I'm not sure if this is, this is a thing that I invented in my head and pretended that they said, or maybe I just took a quote out of context, but I was thinking when they first unveiled Wii Connect 24, sort of the always-on standby internet connectivity thing, that one of the pitches for that was, hey, people could visit your Animal Crossing town even when you're not playing. And I've always thought that was the next logical step. I want to be able to visit someone's town in the cloud when they're not playing, leave them messages, leave them presents, pick up some fruit from them and leave uh, without them having to be playing the game and authorize me. I feel like that's what makes it feel like a big world out there. And maybe that's bordering too much on MMO. But And, of course, it'd be a thing where you'd, you'd have authorization as to who could come into your town without you being there. Um, it'd have to be a thing that was pretty heavily controlled by the owner of the town uh, and maybe even has a sort of a, a fail-safe button in case someone comes in and wrecks it. But I just feel like the multiplayer in that game, visiting other towns, is is – really hampered by the fact that you don't know who's playing when and Nintendo's systems have never really been built for making that easy. I think new leaf did a pretty good job. Um, but even then if someone was online and didn't have their gates open, they had to add you as like a best friend or something for you to know that they could theoretically be 
open to opening their gates. It it just has always felt clumsy. That's what I want, and that's not really anything that has to do with NX. It just sort of feels like the next thing that Animal Crossing should put in there to make it feel like a true um, multiplayer online experience is just let me visit my friends when they're not sitting around trying to play. Yeah, I think uh, another thing that could be done that would, would work pretty well is uh, you remember when they, they came out with the uh, that plaza thing for the, the Wii U? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Animal Crossing plaza that ran for like yeah. six months. Right. I, I, th- I think that uh, I think it would work pretty well to sort of move uh, the Totokeke concerts, like maybe not every week because there's still that fun coffee shop feel, but maybe have like big Totokeke events, like festivals, where you oh, just get a whole mass of people, you know, go there at the same time. Like, like, like a big event. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Like it'd be Splatfest, but it would be. It would be a KK Slider concert. And the same thing with some of the, the other kind of random characters that, you know, that come around. Like maybe, you know, yeah, have more events where a bunch of people can get together and socialize and you could potentially meet people or see designs that you otherwise wouldn't get. That'd be awesome. Big, oh, it's like a swap meet, like a big garage sale. <laughs> Pay a few thousand bells to get a booth and then sell, sell your wares. <laughs> I love it. All right, so let's let's move on to Star Fox Adventures, which uh, came out in September 2002 in both North America and Japan, came out November that year in Europe, and I'd say this is probably most notable for being Rare's last game with Nintendo. Mm. I guess, uh, Blood, let's start with you. Uh, what were your memories of you know covering this game back in the day, and, and what do you think about it? Uh, well, so, yeah, in contrast to having played... Uh... Animal Crossing for years on end. Star Fox Adventures, I actually got so bored with that I never finished it. <laughs> well, then, then, then you and Andy will go hand in hand on this one. <laughs> so, and, and it was one of those things that I couldn't even really figure out why, you know, because I, I had been looking forward to the game since the early announcements as a Dinosaur Planet. Uh, and I was very impressed uh, by the graphics. Uh, when they showed it off on the GameCube. And then I, I got into it, and I just, I, I don't know, like nothing I was doing just really felt, I don't, I don't know, it, it, didn't, it didn't keep me playing. I, I, I just eventually just didn't want to play it anymore. And, and, you know, and it's not like now where a lot of games I kind of get on my backlog because uh, I get busy with something else. I just, I just really didn't want to play that game I because didn't it's, care if I got it's, to the end. It's not really a good game. You're describing my last week. I actually picked this game up for the first time about a week and a half ago because uh, I never played it when it first came out. And I thought, well, I probably should try to like educate myself a little bit before we do this discussion. So every night for about a week, I've tried to pick this game up. And at least a couple of those nights, I literally got to the title screen and said, no, I can't do that right now. Uh, and at least twice I've fallen asleep, sometimes multiple times in the same night while trying to play this game. Uh, it's just so boring. It's so boring. Like the, the pace is terrible. The combat is mind-numbingly boring. Uh, a lot, of, and Pretty much most things are just fetch quests. Like, I guess the, the good things about this game 
It's that the graphics are really good. I still think they hold up pretty Present- well. Presentation yeah, is yeah. top notch. Yeah. Like voice acting is good. Music is great. Uh, I do really like the moments when you're in an R wing in space and it's been, it's been a uh, 14 years. If you're averse to spoilers of Star Fox adventures, maybe like come back in a half hour. Uh, but the, the ending's really cool because you do fight Andros, but like, I wish that was the entire game. And also they build up, they build up general scales as this big villain for the entire game. And it's just like, all right, I'm going to fight him. And then Andros just kills him. Like <laughs> it's, oh, I, man. I replayed the majority of this game last year. We did uh, I think it's still on, on the Nintendo World report YouTube channel. We did kind of like a live discussion it was a stretch goal for, for a telethon. Um, and I played through probably half, two-thirds of the way through the game and, like, was just angry the whole time. Kind of did it because I was like, well, I guess it was a stretch goal. I have to force my way through it. And it's just, I don't think it's a very good game at all. I do, like, I did play through it back in 2002. The mainly inventory because, system is gross, too. <sighs> Mainly because I was 14 and didn't know any better. That's the only reason why I ever played through this game to completion. Because I was just like, I like Fox. This will be fun. I was having wrong. having to rotate the C stick to use the inventory doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, especially that the more things you get in your inventory, it just becomes more and more cumbersome. Uh, the camera is weird. the The frame rate's really good. And the game looks great, um, but the voice acting is really hard to sit through. the uh, The tricky. story. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> it's just God, the, I... the puzzles are bland. The environments are like the, the little like central hub that I got to with um, the the water and and the dinosaurs and I guess that's, that's probably most of the game. But the little central hub when you first <laughs> land on Dinosaur Planet, it looks good and that's a little that's a fairly interesting environment. But you have to play at a really boring like temple for twenty five minutes before you get there as a character you don't care about at all. Um, no, it's just. Nothing about this game, and I, I guess I've gone on record before saying I don't really even like a lot of other rare games that much. I'm not a big fan of a lot of what they're known for. Like I didn't love GoldenEye that much. Uh, Perfect Dark is fine. Uh, Conquer I liked, but um, and Banjo is not my thing either. So really, this being their last game just sort of cements everything I always thought I believed about Rare, which is that I just, it's just not for me. Just I mean, not for me. Like this, this game has a pretty checkered past, uh, kind of, I guess, on par with Eternal Darkness to a degree, because it was another N64 game, and maybe even Animal Crossing, where it was an N64 game that then get put, it got pushed to GameCube later on. Uh, from what I could track down, and Rare's, a lot of the people from Rare have been increasingly more open as the years go by. Um, it seemed like Star Fox Adventures started development as, Di- as Dinosaur Planet in 1997, after Diddy Kong Racing came out. It was like that team was what went on to work uh, worked on Dinosaur Planet. I think Jet Force Gemini also might have come out of that team. So it wasn't like full development in 97. It went through a ton of iterations, but the idea that they kept coming back to was a Zelda-like open world that would kind of build on what Nintendo introduced in Ocarina of Time, or I guess was working on, because that would have been that, that point in development. It wasn't even out yet. Uh, but you'd be swapping between two characters, Saber, who would later become Fox, and Crystal, uh, would have used the N64 expansion pack and would have probably been the biggest N64 game ever made. Uh, near the end of development, Miyamoto came in and was just like, this is too much like Star Fox, and this should be a Star Fox game. Uh, at the time, it seemed like everybody at Rare was super pissed about this, 
but I think they were given a lot of rope to kind of integrate Star Fox however they chose, but they just had to integrate it. Um, and it seemed like as they, you know, got the time to kind of do what they wanted with this game, as it hit a number of delays, it was supposed to be a launch title in GameCube initially and came out about a year later. Uh, they, you know, released the game and that was when they got bought by Microsoft right around that same time. So this was the last Rare game ever the made game- by did the game actually come out before they were bought by Microsoft? Or I after? think yeah. it was right around the same time. Okay. Like, I think I'm the game sure was finished. Before. Like, like I, I, yeah, I want to say, I think, I think it, so it came out September 23rd in North America. I want to say that I think the news of them getting bought by Microsoft, like, came out in, like, the beginning of September. Okay. Like, or at uh, least let's put it this way. The review that's on our site makes reference to this being the last Rare game. So it was pretty clear by the time the game came out that this was this yeah. was it. Okay. Yeah, I wish I had more to say about this, but I, I tried really hard to enjoy it over the last week and a half. And I I don't I didn't even play as much of it as I would like to admit. Like I, I would feel like I, I should give this play game more than more than I did to give it a fair shake, but quite frankly, I don't think there's a chance there's a chance in hell like I could play it enough to feel like I deserve to give it more than Animal Crossing. <laughs> It just it's I, I think it's a game that has potential that's just not very good. Yeah, uh I I think a lot of that was you know, who knows? Like right <laughs> like whether what what could this game have been good if, if it had never been fooled with? Uh it's it's hard to say. Um but uh what one thing that's kind of a small detail that I thought was kind of funny is uh the the kind of the dinosaur characters I think in the shop. I think there's a, a character in Cameo that struck me as being almost like one-to-one, like dinosaur planning. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it's that weird shared DNA, right? Is, mm-hmm, yeah. That's a lot of those rare games all have like a very similar feel to them. And even if they were came from different teams, it was just, you know, like the, all these people in farms making video games. Yeah, farms, but uh, you know, I think that farms. might be part of it, though, is... Like, I don't know if this really had the same spark as the other Rare yeah. games, the same sense of humor or anything. It just, it felt just like the whole game was sort of going through the motions a bit. I mean, that might have been part of the, the, the protracted development period might have caused that. Maybe Nintendo's meddling, because I think before before Star Fox Adventures, I think Nintendo, for the most part, just kind of let Rare go do their thing. Like, there, it didn't seem like there was a lot of a lot of reports of like you know Miyamoto coming and being like you need to change Banjo Banjo Kazooie to be this like it seemed like it was kind of like rare made games and people in Nintendo would kind of be like all right yeah that's fine maybe give some feedback but nothing no 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 upending tea tables really happened with earlier rare games as far as we can tell yeah i know they had a lot of involvement in helping uh, to shape Goldeneye and Killer Instinct yeah but yeah, like a lot of that, the innuendo and things like that. And actually, they were really, they were fully behind what Rare did with Conquer, right? Like they put the yeah. the bar at E3 and, and all of that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think maybe once they started, yeah, using the Star Fox characters, there was potentially you know more oversight over that. That's actually really surprising to hear. I never really thought about that, but I find it very hard to picture Nintendo wanting conquer on their system let alone promoting it but i suppose it had to have happened so 
when when your when your system underperforms, you do weird things. Yeah, that's fair. This was the very <laughs> end of the N sixty four, which was some dark times, leading into some more dark times yeah. for them. The games were fun though, except for this one. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I, the thing is, you, you can you can see a good game in there. Like the yeah. the presentation is really good, and I don't mind the combat so much. Now, maybe I didn't play enough of the game to really get to the to how boring it is. The 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 shooting your staff, the little fire shot that you get is terrible. Uh, <laughs> using the analog stick to aim, no, that's it's it's terrible. Uh. Um, but. No, I just there's there's interesting things in there, but it's not like Ocarina of Time had just come out. Like they had a template and they just chose to veer from it, I guess. Maybe they just didn't have the skill set to follow that template as closely as maybe they should have. And uh, I guess before I'll I'll mention uh, one of our reviews from the site from Rick Powers in which he uses the term mixed bag, which fun fact (laughs) that is banned from being used on Nintendo Report at this point. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I will I will recap that we are over three thousand dollars. That means uh, we've raised nice. a lot of money for charity and we have unlocked the ten o'clock J and J make that game today. James Jones and John Lindeman spectacular. Uh, we have two segments left to unlock all things prehistorica with Zach Miller and the shenanigans midnight hour segment. Uh, so we are we are seventy five percent on our way to our goal. So uh you know, donate, give to kids. It all goes to charity. Um, and we only, we're only we only a 1,000 away from our goal. And then after that, we'll have to start coming up with stretch goals, I, I suppose. Share on Snapchat and Friendster and all the yeah. social media platforms. <laughs> and Share it, and on you Tumblr. Can, you can still enter a contest. Uh, email cubivore to contest at nintendoworldreport.com for a chance to win a regular prize this hour and a big prize in the first quarter of the show. Uh, and you can look to see what all those prizes are by going to NintendoWorldReport.com. We have, uh, you know, the whole rundown of all the prizes that have been called to give away to you, the listeners, during this show. Uh, there is a plethora. So the funny thing that I'm noticing about Rick Powers' review of Star Fox Adventures is that it is, it appears that it is a very positive review. He gave it a final score of an eight. Um, like most of it is pretty, pretty like, like this is a fun game. But I feel like this is a problem, which is why we got away from having categories in the reviews, because like graphics are a nine, sounds a nine point five, control is an eight, gameplay is a six. Yet the final score is an eight, and all of the pros are about like decent voice acting, uh, a good ending, outstanding graphics, superb soundtrack, and all the cons are related to what the game plays like, where it's you know inconsistent game mechanics, pointless combat, and tedious gameplay. Which, like, I mean, it's just that, that especially now where the, the the graphical power has kind of just become like, oh, yeah, no, it looks good for 2002. Like, this game does not hold up well for me at all. No. And having not played it, I have no nostalgic value for it. So this was trying to play this game over the last hour was just sort of forcing myself to do something that I knew I wasn't going to enjoy. All right, so so now's the the time in Cube Fight where we do like pointless scores for fun, even though it's becoming increasingly more obvious that Animal Crossing is probably win this matchup. <laughs> well, so, let's just let's just make sure we re- reiterate that our scores have nothing to do with the game that we pick to win. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's more of an exercise in futility and fun. Yes. Uh, so for both for both the listeners and and Bloodworth, uh, we'll we'll go over what our three categories are. Uh, Andy, do you want to take that away? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have three categories we're scoring from one to ten. Uh, the first category is legacy slash importance. So this would be basically what does this game really mean in the big picture uh, for both GameCube and for Nintendo as a whole? Is there any reason to remember this game uh, now um, more so maybe than even in 2002? Uh, the second category is test of time, which is basically, hey, if you pick up this game today and you play it, how does it hold up? And then the third category is the fun factor, which basically just boils down to do you have fun playing this game? It's just a catch-all category for uh, – your thoughts on the game. So I will, I'll start this off when uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and do uh, animal crossing first and we'll go ahead and all three of us will give our uh, scores for each of these categories individually. So starting with animal crossing um, legacy and importance. So this is the first animal crossing game out of, I believe four, not including the dumb board game uh, that we've gotten uh, since then. And I do believe that the legacy of this game is that it established a pattern that they have not deviated from really. Um, I would say half of New Leaf exists, at least half exists in Animal Crossing 2002. It is a core franchise for Nintendo. It began here. Um, legacy and importance for Animal Crossing, I'm going to have to give a, a, I'll give it a nine out of 10. Neil? I'm probably going to be even more glowing about it because th this did Animal Crossing started off a really successful and important franchise for Nintendo. Like it's, it's does very well in Japan. Uh, New Leaf was a success worldwide pretty much. And it's a series that like they have spinoffs, they have mobile games or a mobile game on the way. They have an amiibo line that might've bombed, but they had an amiibo line based solely on this series I think as far as, like, I mean, people talk about how Pikmin was, like, the last new thing that Nintendo made. And I guess Animal Crossing technically did come before Pikmin in Japan. But I think that Animal Crossing might be one of the most important new franchises that Nintendo has made since 2000. Um, I, I would give this for legacy importance. I'm giving it a 10. I can't argue with that. Uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of what you guys have said. I think, uh, again, it's... Uh, it's a very, again, it's very different from anything Nintendo had done uh, prior to that. Uh, the idea that you don't even beat the game. I, I put in my review, like, it doesn't end until 2032, because that's <laughs> when the, the calendar runs oh, still, We'd only be halfway <laughs> through our Animal Crossing experience right now. Um, and, and yeah, so it, it set up this, this template for a, a very different type of game, uh, which I don't think is even, you know... I haven't seen a lot of things to compare it to. You know, maybe The Sims is the closest thing, but that gets into so much micromanaging. Whereas Animal Crossing really does just let you get into whatever part that you want to. And if the longer term goals don't interest you, then you don't you don't go for them. Really, you do something else. Uh, so yeah, and I, I think you know, even though it may not be as recognizable. Uh, to the general public, uh, I, I think it, it's it's had a significant impact, and it's something that will continue to be popular on Nintendo systems. So I'll give the legacy a nine. Excellent score. Uh, so next we go on to the test of time, which is if you pick up this game today, how does it feel? How does it play? Does it hold up to today's standards? Um, I did play about eh, maybe an hour of Animal Crossing. I got through the tutorial. I wrote some letters. I advertised a sale on butts at Nook. Uh, there was a butt sale at Nook. I put it on the main 
the main uh, uh, sound sign in the middle of town. Um, yeah, I think this game holds up just fine. I think there are some weird, there are some weird control things on the GameCube controller, like having to use the weird analog shoulder buttons to do like paging is is weird. Um, not being able to stack fruit feels a bit archaic, but uh, for the most part, this game controls very well. I think it, I, I have no problem giving this game what an eight. Let's go with eight. That that seems fair. I think the test of time. I think that while this game did did have an important legacy, uh, I think that it it's a little rough around the edges compared to the later games. It's still a very good game and. If, if I could ever recreate that experience of having four people on one memory card in one town on one GameCube, uh, I would love to do that. But I, like, I don't really see much reason to revisit this game other than for the purposes of this feature. I'd rather just play a more recent Animal Crossing game, so I will give it a 7 for Test of Time. Yeah, I, I think it, it's interesting when you consider that it's it's a game that's sort of replaceable. <laughs> what's, what's the uh, you know the, the newer versions come out? Most of the things uh, that you you want to love about Animal Crossing, uh, you want to play in Animal Crossing, uh, you you can get pretty much all of that in a newer version. Uh, but I think if you just kind of took this like as an isolated, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to play this Animal Crossing. Uh, there there'll be some some control hindrances of course and, and some things would be you know like the the typing and a lot of the inventory things that would get on your nerves uh but i think after you know a, a bit once you get into the game they would they would fade to the background almost as much as they did back then uh so i would say yeah probably i would probably save it a, a seven as well on test of time all right now we're moving on to the fun factor. Uh, how, how fun is this game? What is It's just a, sort of a catch-all wild card category. Uh, I think Animal Crossing is still a lot of fun. Um, I didn't think I would play it for an hour. I figured I'd play it for 10 minutes and, and be done with it. But I felt compelled to keep going. I wanted to talk to the, to the people in the town. I wanted to mail letters to people, uh, dig up some fossils. Um, you know, even even a game that I thought I would play for 15 minutes, I ended up playing for a little bit longer than that. So, um, I think fun factor for Animal Crossing. Uh, I I'll stick with an eight on this one. And I think I'm right there with you. I think I'd also give it an eight. I think it's very fun, even if it if it doesn't hold up as well. It's still a really fun game. And I know that whenever a new Animal Crossing game comes out, or maybe maybe you and I, Andy, will restart New Leaf very soon. I know that Yay. I'll play it. Like that's I'm, where I'm, I'm at right now. And I'm down. That comes from this GameCube game. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll stick with an eight as well. Uh, I'm having a little, little difficulty, uh, sussing out the differences between fun factor and test of time, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've uh, run into that a few times. <laughs> yeah. These aren't the most well thought out categories. Uh, uh, moving on to Star Fox adventures, um, legacy and importance. <laughs> well, this is the last, the last rare game. That's, that's important. Um, it is the only Star Fox game that ever tried to be anything other than, Star Fox game, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's probably its legacy is that it's Rare's last game, and given that Rare hasn't exactly proven to be a, um, a home run purchase for Microsoft, I don't even know exactly how important that is. I uh, six. I'll go a little higher than that, but not much. Um, I, I think that it's I think that it's a little more important than what you said. I will give this a seven out of ten. 
Um, man, I feel like in the the long run scheme of things, Star Fox Adventures is pretty forgettable. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I really it, like it's it's not what anyone wants out of a Star Fox game. It's not a great Zelda clone, for lack of a better term. Um, yeah, I honestly, I think I would. It, it was it was a very pretty game, and it and it has that spot in Rare's history. But really, I think overall legacy, I, I'm going to go pretty low. I'm going to go with a three. Damn. All right. Test of time for Star Fox Adventures. Well, I can tell you very clearly that this game does not hold up very well. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I'm trying to figure out if I should go lower than a five on this, but I, and honestly, like. This for this is a game that for me test of time and fun factor will be the same because I literally have no nostalgic tie to this. I have no reason to separate how much I enjoy it versus how much I enjoyed it last week. Um, you know, so for, for the sake of time, let's do test of time and a uh, fun factor at the same time. Yeah, that's fine with me because we're getting low on time. Um, four on both. I think test of time. Uh, I'm going to give it a three for test of time, but I will give it a five for fun factor because i i did kind of enjoy this game back in the day i just don't enjoy it much anymore um yeah i'm just gonna stick with a a five for for both for one i haven't i didn't get a chance to go back and and play any of it so i I can't really say how i feel about it now versus then Uh, you made the right choice it's all memory (laughs) uh yeah i think it's a game that yeah you you could you could get through and you could have some you know probably mild enjoyment with but you're more likely going to be sort of pushing yourself to get through. Uh, but it's also not so frustrating or, or you know, it's it's not going to make you angry for playing it most of the time. Yeah. Okay, so now comes the time where we count down from three and then say the name of the game that we think won. Uh, so on the count – on zero, go ahead and uh, and we'll just it's we'll just Animal all Crossing. say Animal Crossing. <laughs> three, two, one. Animal, Animal Crossing. Crossing. There it is. So that means Animal Crossing will move on to the the second round of 2002 games that it will be faced off against Eternal Darkness, Super Mario Sunshine, and the winner of Mario Party Four and Cubivore, as well as Metroid Prime. 2002 was a, a beast. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Like, I mean, well, okay, so Andy and I still have some things to sort out, and when we do get to the end of a year, then we open up the vote to to patrons and the like, but Dan, from your perspective, out of Eternal Darkness, Super Mario Sunshine, Animal Crossing, Mario Party 4, Cube of War, and Metroid Prime, who, what would be your pick for being the best GameCube game of 2002? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I think I'd go with Metroid Prime, but it's not as easy as you would think, huh? Yeah. Because I think Sunshine <laughs> and Animal Crossing are right there next to it. Even Cubivore is really, really good. Yeah, you know, I haven't... Uh, I've never actually played Cubivore in English, and I still regret it now that it costs so much. Yeah. I, had, I, think, that, I, had, I think that Prime benefits from being probably the best Metroid Prime game, whereas Animal Crossing is not the best Animal Crossing game. Yeah. So in hindsight, I think that, that makes it a little easier to vote Metroid Prime in almost in almost any situation. Yeah, definitely. So if you have not emailed the contest at Nintendo Report email uh, with Cubivore uh, for your chance to win a prize this hour, which is almost done, 
and a big prize in the first quarter of the show. Uh, you can still do that. We're at $3,000, 75% of the way to our goal. We'll be rocking this until at the latest, or, or I guess at the earliest, 11 o'clock at night. So we've got a lot more show to go through. I guess as we're wrapping up, uh, Dan, tell us all about Easy Allies. Yeah, so uh, Easy Allies, uh, we're we're basically uh, we're we're a bunch of uh, game trailers refugees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I worked uh, started at Game Trailers in 2007, uh, which is basically yeah why why I left Nintendo World Report. Uh, I did some stuff at G4 before that, but I was able to do some NWR stuff NWR stuff on the side. Uh, at that same time, and that was really just a, kind of a temporary job. Uh, but yeah, so uh, in uh, the beginning of the year, uh, Game Trailers was shut down, and uh, I was on my honeymoon. Uh, so <laughs> when I got back, uh, we kind of regrouped, and we decided let's you know let's try the Patreon thing. Let's see if uh, we can get some funding to do some videos part time, and uh, we got enough to uh, to basically be be doing just about everything we want to do um so uh we're we're, we're on patreon we're on uh youtube we we uh, are on twitch all the time and uh yeah we're making all kinds of different videos about video games uh we do reviews uh we do podcasts but then we also have some of the the lighter side of things um ian hink has a show called easy update that which is you wonderful. never know what to expect. Uh, <laughs> and uh, one, one week we'll just be playing a game together. The next week we'll be dancing in the park. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it can, it can get really fun and out there. And uh, there's a lot of different things that we do. Yeah, I know Andy and I are both, uh, we are both patrons. Um, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, no, you guys, you guys are doing the, in some of my favorite gaming content out there. Absolutely. So, I you know, I had only really kind of come across the game trailers archive maybe January of this year. I had just kind of been blissfully unaware of it. And then in January of this year, I, I kind of stumbled across um, Final Bossman and I kind of put the pieces together. Oh, that's where Bloodworth went to. I know who that is. Uh, <laughs> and I started mainlining game trailers content on YouTube. And then like two and a half weeks later, you guys got shut down and I was kind of devastated. Uh, so I was really happy to support you guys when you launched Easy Allies. So you guys keep doing great work over there. It's uh, it's fun to watch. Yeah, thanks. Um, I guess we are now we are now moments away. I guess we need to look for for Jonathan Metz, um, who is Jonathan Metz. I know that guy. To do Austin Mates play Super Mario sixty four for the first time. Hey Neil, I'm um, working on getting them on right now. So okay, perfect. Um, we, may, we may have to stall for a minute or two. That is fine.